Well, I uh, know I have some uh, big shoes to possibly fill with, with, with Dave. But you know, I, one of the big reasons why I want to come here is because I've all the, the good-looking men that I, I see out there, that just like myself, <laughs> thought I'd fit, fit right in. But I got to tell you, I am uh, I'm humbled to have this opportunity. But even more than that, I'm excited. I'm, I'm overjoyed. Because listen, two months ago, I had no intentions and no thoughts of standing uh, where I am right now. I had plans for my life. We were making a transition with um, my, my family in a position like this. I was planning on putting on hold for at least a year or two. But apparently, God had other plans. And if you've been uh, following uh, Jesus for any length of time, you know that God's plans always work out better than our own plans. Amen? So since most of you do not know who I am, I thought I'm not just going to uh, preach this morning. I want to kind of wrap my testimony, a little bit of my story about who I am and, uh, and where I've been uh, in today's uh, lesson. But before we get started, if, you, um, if you've already noticed there in the bulletin, there's uh, um, some fill-in-the-blanks. So if you've got a pen, or if you don't have a pen, you might want to borrow them. If you don't, there's just a few. Uh, they're very simple, and uh, we'll have them up here on the, the screen in just a minute. But I want to share um, a little bit, or as much as we have time for, my testimony. And my testimony is not unlike anybody else's testimony, and that it's a love story. It's a love story of me and Jesus. And I look forward to hopefully hearing some of your love stories of how you and Jesus uh, came together. But this uh, love story, have you ever wondered how it works? How, how is it that we can love a God that we can't see? Maybe you've asked yourself that question. That is what, is what Jesus and I have, is that, is that really love or is it something else? And listen, it's an important question. Hopefully we can get this to, to work. Maybe. I love technology. <laughs> well, my wife asked me if I was nervous. I said, the only thing I'm nervous about is whether this is going to work or not. <laughs> but back to love, that question of love, especially our love between us and God, and what is it, how it works. It's an important question because how to grow our love, we've got to understand that it's very important because that, that, that greatest commandment, which is what? To love the Lord your God with what? Absolutely. We, we tout that as the greatest commandment, but how does it work? How do, how do we go about doing that? And so what I want to talk to you about today is how God can grow your love for him, how he actively works with you in growing your love for him, for yourself, and for others. And so what we're going to do is walk through this way of love. And I'm going to get the help of a 900-year-old monk named Bernard, Bernard of Clairvaux, or Clairvaux, however you want to uh, pronounce Bernard's name. Bernard is, uh, was a very uh, 
a well-known uh, um, church leader at his time. He had a lot of influence on the Reformation, and uh, he uh, wrote many things uh, that influenced um, one of the greatest reformers in Martin Luther. Martin Luther, the German priest, not Martin Luther, the civil rights leader. Okay, so he wrote uh, a lot of things about, about love in his time that had a lot of influence on, on Martin Luther. And so we're going to look a little bit of what he says today about this way of love. But I thought about how do we, I mean, Bernard's not really a, a great an intellectual name. If your name's Bernard, I apologize. <laughs> we don't have any Bernards here, do we? So I thought, well, maybe we'll call him uh, something else. We could call him St. Bernard because that's what he was referred to. And I thought, maybe, maybe that's not a good idea because as I talk to Bernard, you're going to have a picture of a St. Bernard in your name or in your head. And, and actually, did you know this dog breed gets their name from another St. Bernard? I didn't know that. I just looked it up to see where they got their name. But uh, another saint, an Italian monk named Bernard. So I, thought, I don't want you to have this image in your head. So what, what, could we, what else could we go with? So I thought, well, maybe we could go like a nickname like Barney. But I thought, no, that's not a good idea because then you might have, <laughs> you might have Barney Fife in your head and you're definitely not going to take anything that Barney or Bernard has to say seriously. So I found, I found an image, a portrait of a Bernard. And so, I mean, this guy looks like somebody you could take a little more seriously, hopefully. And we're going to use a little bit of uh, his devotion, his thoughts on this way of love and how it works. And so if you have uh, your notes there in your bulletin, let's begin with that first level of the way of love. And that is this. I love me for my sake. Okay? I love me for my sake. In Matthew 22, Jesus says this. Second greatest commandment is what? Love your neighbor. Now notice... I don't, I, don't I don't put this up here so that, to remind you to love your neighbor. put this up here to remind you that Jesus doesn't command us to love ourselves. We don't have to be commanded to love ourselves. We are wired to love ourselves. No baby ever popped out of the womb, okay, looked at the mirror and said, Ugh, I'm disgusted with, with how I look. No, no, no baby ever wakes up in the middle of the night and decides, You know what? I'm going to let mom and dad sleep. Okay, I'm gonna let them. No, okay, because they have, they love themselves and they want what they want, and so they cry and they want and they whine until they get it. Loving ourselves comes natural. It's loving our neighbors, loving others is not so easy, especially when those neighbors have a dog that continues to bark and yelp every time you want to take a Sunday afternoon nap. Or that same dog comes into your yard and poops. You know, I, I don't want to be so loving towards my neighbor when that happens. I want to fling that poop back to where it came from. <laughs> but how do, you, how do you love your neighbor when they keep blowing their grass clippings into your yard, when they block your driveway, or when they're, when they're letting fireworks off at all hours of the night the entire month of July? Loving your neighbor is difficult. And Bernard would say, you can't love your neighbor rightly without loving God first. So that takes us to our second uh, level of love. I love God for my sake. And this is where most of us begin with our love for God. It's, it's more of a selfish type of love. 
We understand that we need help, that we can't truly love others or love God without his help. And so we decide to love God for my sake, which is basically we're saying, I'm going to love God because what's he do, what he does for me, for the, from the benefits that I get from it, I'm going to love God. And, and this is where my love began. I remember when I was uh, just a little boy in, uh, in, uh, in church, and all of the uh, Sunday school lessons and the sermons on how much uh, God loves us. You know, from early on, we're singing, Jesus loves me. I understood that. It was instilled in me. But then I coupled that with uh, what we were taught about heaven and hell. And heaven was basically a place that people go who love Jesus. And hell was basically a, a place that people go who don't love Jesus. And so I weighed the descriptions of heaven and hell, and I thought, well, heaven seems like a much better option, does it not? And so, you know, as a little boy, I chose, well, I, I chose heaven first, and then along comes with that, loving Jesus. And so I, I began to love God for my sake. So at 10 years old, I was uh, baptized at Kokomo Church of Christ. It's now Judson Road uh, Christian Church, I believe, if you're familiar with that. Um, Gary Carpenter at the time, he, he baptized me. But I got I to gotta tell you, at 10 years old, I didn't really comprehend all that I was choosing to do. I know that I wanted to go to heaven, and I know that, that it meant loving Jesus, but I was doing it for my state, for what I was going to get out of it. My understanding of what it meant to love God was to be a good Christian boy. And you know what being a good Christian boy is. Don't cuss, don't drink, and don't go with the girls that do. All right? That's, that's what I understood. Don't cuss, don't drink, don't go with the girls. That's a good, it's a good starting place. But then my prayer life at that time was really non-existent. I mean, I'm just a young boy, and and my prayer life existed at the dinner table when I was asked, hey, Jason, you want to say grace? So I would give thanks, thanks for the food when asked. But I really had no prayer life um, beyond that. And so I, I uh, continued to uh, do everything that I was doing before I was baptized because I, I didn't have a problem with, with, with drinking at 10 years old or going to the girls that do. I, I just was trying to be a good boy. And... Um, I had not much of a prayer life, and so I turned 11. Then I turned 12, and late in, uh, in uh, the fall of, a of uh, my 12th uh, year on this earth, my world was rocked. My world was uh, turned upside down when uh, I lost my best friend, my, my little sister, my... Uh, my sister Kelly was just a year younger than I was, and her death, it changed me forever. And it happened almost 37 years ago. But some days, some days it's like it was yesterday. And if you experience death of a loved one, you know what I'm talking about. But it happened early one morning. I'd asked her to help me with my paper route. I had a paper route before school, and after school. And so she agreed to help me one morning. And I don't like to go into all the details. I just, the uh, only thing I tell everybody is that um, we both left home that day, but only I came back. Only I came back home. And 
you know, it just, it shook me to my core. My little soul was, was shaken. And after that day, I just began to carry the guilt of her death. I carried it throughout my teenage years, well into my adulthood, and still most of my adulthood, I carried the guilt of her death. But when I think back about how God has grown my relationship with him, he did it through growing my prayer life. Because when I think back of where my prayer life really began, it was after my sister's death. That's when I really began to pray. And I would ask questions like, like God, are you even there? Are you even real? I mean, is this just, is, is just make-believe? Then I would ask questions of, of why. Okay, if you're there, if you do really love me, why, why did you take her and not me? I remember saying that, Lord, she was a better person than me. Why didn't you take me instead of her? And I didn't get many of those questions answered. And so, with all those unanswered questions, it was only, it was only the love of my family and my church family that kept me grounded in my faith. And so, I didn't blame God. Instead, I took on that guilt and I held on to it. And I decided early on that I'm going to live a life that makes up for the life that was lost, that was taken. I, in my little mind... I understood that for the rest of my life, I needed to be twice as good as I was because she was a better person than me. So I began to serve in the church at a young age. When I got into high school, got involved with the youth group, became a leader in the youth group. And then later on, I married a good Christian girl from that youth group. You met her, my Sherry Amore. She's not French. I just like referring to her that way. But after our marriage, uh, we, we decided that I was attending Chapel um, Hill Christian Church at the time is, and uh, serving there. But she was attending Fairfield. Uh, and so we decided as a smaller church it would be best that you know, we went somewhere that we could really be of help. And so we settled with our membership there and we just dove right in. Uh, got uh, actively involved, and we made a lot of uh, um, good Christian friends. And that's where I believe really started to mature in my relationship with God, especially when we surrounded ourselves with, with godly and good Christian friends because that, those friendships help stretch us and, and, help, and help move our relationship towards Jesus closer. And sometimes it got weird for me because... You know, we were, we were in this loving church and loving relationships, but then some of my friends started doing some weird things. They decided they were going to leave their church family, leave their, their, uh, ter- their, uh, their home and their families, and go off and become missionaries or, or go to Bible college and enter ministry. And I thought, why would you do that? We got a good thing going on here. And we're, some of them were in uh, Sherry and I's a small group, and I'm like, why are you leaving us? Don't you love us? And I just thought it was strange that you would leave such a good situation. But then my questions about that were, uh, were answered with some scriptures uh, like this. Because when, 
When Jesus says in John 12, he says, whoever loses his life, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates it, his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And so it was, it was scriptures like this that, that really began to make me think about my relationship with God. And it made for some interesting prayer time with God. And so kind of fast forward a little bit. And at this time, I'm in my mid to late 20s. And again, I have a, a, um, a beautiful wife and then two girls that you haven't met yet. Um, so this is my, I told you they're cuter than the boys. <laughs> so this is, this is Annie Rose, and that's Maria Ann. And, of course, they're not that small anymore. They're, th this is a, so they're both, Maria's graduated uh, from Lincoln and is doing her master's still at Lincoln. And Annie's at uh, Johnson University uh, currently. They couldn't be here, but I wanted to show you a picture. Um, but even though this is how they look now, um, this is how they always look to me <laughs> as a dad. I mean, this, they will always be this. And what's interesting is I remember when I became a dad, it affected my, my prayer life because I started to think, holy cow, I am responsible for these two little people. And so that drove me to pray because, Lord, I don't want to screw them up. And, and I prayed and I prayed more and and when I think about my prayer life and how God has matured me uh, over the years, you know, he's done that through my prayer life. And I don't, I don't know if you've experienced the same thing. Maybe you have. But when I, when I think about where I begin at that first level of love, that selfish level of love, I love me for my sake. I had no prayer life. And then I moved up to that to that second level of, of loving God where I, I accepted Christ and, and along with those accepting Christ, Jesus said there will be difficulties and I embraced that. And so when difficulties came, what did I do? I, I went to him and I prayed. I prayed a lot when I was mostly in trouble. And as God worked with me through those moments, I thought, you know what? What if I pray when I'm not in trouble? And so I began to have this daily devotion and prayer life with him. And I went from praying to God willy-nilly to this consistent prayer life. And somewhere along the way, when that began, I was able to experience this third level of love. I love God for God's sake. You see, it was through the fellowship with other believers and my maturing prayer life that, that I believed that this wasn't just a, a thing to do to be a better person. I understood that, that God was, was uh, working in my life. And I realized really not until my mid to late 20s that despite all the stupid things that I had done in my life and would ever do, that God was still on my side. That, that him loving me meant that he's never going to, to, to abandon me. And so the more I experienced God, the more I wanted to be with him, the more I wanted to love him, the more I wanted to please him. And this is the example that Jesus gave us when he says in how to love God. Here's a couple of, of scriptures of an example. In John 5, Jesus says, by myself I can do nothing. But I seek not to please myself, 
but him who sent me. And Jesus is saying here, my love for you, for my Father, it's not selfish. I don't love, I don't love God for my sake. I don't love God for your sake. I love God for God's sake. And this is key because it's at this level of love, of loving God for, for God's sake, that we're able to do this. Love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You can't reach this level of love without prayer. You can't reach this level of love without loving God for his sake. This, this type of love is only possible through a, a maturing relationship through prayer with Jesus Christ. And we need it desperately. We need this interaction through a good, healthy prayer life because Satan is constantly wanting to suck us down back to these lower levels of selfish love. I mean, that's what happened to me. Because as my, my family grew and my, and my life just started grooving, I got a good church home, I have a good family, I had a good business at the time, I was running my, my family's contracting business, it was growing, I had the two beautiful girls and, my, and my, my wife, an awesome church, an awesome small group. We were looking at building a new home closer to the church. Life was wonderful. Life was good. But even though life was good, I started to love God more for those blessings that I had, more for the life that I had than for who he was. started loving the, the created things over the creator. And that put, that put a knot in my soul. I began to feel restless, and I couldn't understand why, because life was good. And so what happened is my daily, my daily prayer life routine, it, it wasn't enough. So I went to wandering in the woods. Not just wandering in the woods, talking to myself. I wandered in the woods and talked with Jesus. I thought, I want to be alone. I got to get away. And, and since uh, um, I was running the business, sometimes I did it right in the middle of the day. I was the boss. I can go pray whenever I want. And I would find myself out in the middle of the woods just praying to Jesus. And I remember one particular time just throwing my hands up in the air. And I, I, and I, meant, I remember praying, Lord, just tell me what to do with the rest of my life. And have you ever prayed that? Did you get an answer? Neither did I. But I kept praying. I got no verbal answer, but I, I was still, my soul was stirring. So I began, I began talking to other uh, mentors in my life, my ministers, other godly people in my, in my life, my, my parents, my wife. And it's through their wisdom and more walks in the woods with Jesus that I, I decided that, hey, I'm still young enough. If I want to change up what I'm doing, I can do that. And I loved... Uh, I loved what I was doing, but I knew something was missing. And so I thought, if I'm going to change what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, I'm going to do something that I love. And so through those walks in the, in the woods, I remembered talking with God about what I loved to do, and I loved serving at the church. I mean, I was already heavily involved in teaching and leading. Sherry and I loved our church home so much that, that we, we actually wanted to take what we had and, and take it to places that didn't have that. And so after several more walks in the woods with Jesus, I decided to take the plunge 
close my family business, sell everything, pack up my, my family, headed off to uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, where I attended Johnson Bible College, John, Johnson University. And for this to happen, it was going to take a minor miracle, and fortunately, God opened all the right doors at all the right times, and uh, we got our miracle. And so my ministry career began, and it's been, uh, it's been up for the last 20 years. It's been has its ups and downs, um, some really high highs and some really low lows. But I want to fast forward you to about 13 years into uh, my ministry life. I, uh, I, was, I was doing well, really. My family at this time has doubled. I don't just have the, the little girls. I've got the boys. And it's the beginning of 2015. And like I said, we are in Iowa, where we currently are, and things are going well. But I am busy. I am busy doing, 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 doing. We started a, a new building project. I was helping to start a new uh, church campus for our church all the while running my own uh, church campus and trying to take care of all my duties at the main campus. But I was just doing, 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 doing. And little did I know that I was about to reach a breaking point. My wife knew, but I didn't know. And wives, you get that, right? She knew. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to push through this just like I have everything else because that's what us guys do. But she saw something different this this time. And so what happened is I came home, I came home one evening after a long day, and she said, she said to me this, you're gonna get a phone call in a few minutes and you need to take it. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, I, who who is bothering me now? I mean, I've got I got too much going on. And so I so I asked her, what's going on? And she says, I signed you up for a retreat in the mountains. And I'm like, a retreat in the mountains? And I'm ticked because I've got stuff to do. I don't have time to go off to the mountains. But she insisted. And I I love my wife. And if mom is not happy, so I took the phone call. (laughs) But the, the deal was is that they were going to interview me because they were only taking so many applicants. And I was like, all right, I'll interview, and then they won't call me back. So I took, the, I took the phone call, and I was intrigued, because they wouldn't tell me what we were doing in the mountains. And a mystery, I mean, that always sucks me in. But then they were intrigued by me, because they had never had a wife apply for their husband to do what they are doing. <laughs> so they were anxious to talk to me. Long story short, I was accepted. And in 2015, in the Rocky Mountains, my prayer life changed because I began to experience, I believe for the first time, this last level or the, uh, this last level of God. I love me. I love me for God's sake. My prayer life had gone from the woods to the mountains, and it was in the mountains I, learned to, I began to learn to love me for, for, for God's sake. Bernard would say that this level of love is hard to maintain. And that it is only achieved when you're able to understand, understand this, that you have to be with God before you can do for God. Did you get that? At this level of love, you're able to to do this because you've come to realize 
I've got to be with God before I can do for God. If you spend any time with me, you will discover that that's what I emphasize in all my leadership and discipleship initiatives is that, yeah, we got plenty to do for God, but before you do that, you got to be with him. When you get it backwards, when you get this, this doing and being backwards, you eventually lessen or lose your ability to love. To not just love him, not just love others. You're doing, doing, doing without being will bring you to a point to where you don't even love yourself, that you can't do this. King David figured that out. Think about this. After all of the doing, doing, doing that King David did serving God and messing up for God, he finally figured out when he wrote this, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me stop and lie down and quit doing so that he can, what? Lead me beside still waters and restore my soul. You can't get your, your soul restored without stopping and being with him. So have you reached this level of love, this way of love? You know, Jesus didn't give us this command to love God as the greatest command and say, you figure it out. He he taught us and he prayed that he would continually work with us to grow our love for him. Here in John 17, he says, I will continue to make it known that the love, that, that the love with which you have loved me, he's talking to the Father, may be in them and I in them. He says, I will continue to work on this relationship and instilling how to love and how to grow their love. And I think for a lot of us, we have, we have discovered this. We have found that, found that out, that loving God actually becomes easy when you get to know him. I mean, I don't know of anybody who spent a lot of time with, with, with God and, and not found he is easy to love. But the most difficult thing, loving me for God's sake, that's one of the hardest things to do. Bernard say Bernard would say, yeah, it's one of the most difficult things to do. In fact, he would say, you know, we, it's not a pro, not a place that we just stay. We cannot we hop in and out of this level of love because Satan is constantly trying to push us down to keep us from there. Because if we can give up on ourselves, then he can get us to give up on God. He's constantly throwing in our face that we're not good enough, that we should give up, that we can't go any further. But when we're able to, to, to maintain this level of love, we're able to understand that what God says is true, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that Jesus' love for us means that not only will we not perish and have eternal life, but that we can flourish. This level of love we're able, we're able to understand that God would, will never give up on me and that it would break his heart if we gave up on him. And so when we reach this level, we're able to keep going. We're able to keep fighting and, and never give up no matter what happens. Because again, to give up on ourselves is tantamount to giving up on him and vice versa. 
So do you know that today? Do you know this level of love? Do you know that it would break his heart for you to quit? For him to lose you? Do you know that Jesus doesn't want you to settle? Don't settle for a mediocre, unfulfilled lack of love in your life, especially when it comes to following him. So if you want, if you want something more out of this relationship you have with Christ, if you want more, more love, if you want to reach this level of love, then you've got to understand You've got to get to that point of being with God. Because it's not going to happen without a prayer life. Now, I'm not saying you've got to leave today and head out to the woods or the mountains. Your place of being, your Gethsemane, that's how I like to explain it, can be different. But if you don't like where you're at right now, then you need to change up your prayer, your prayer life and your prayer time. Allow God to to start to move, move you. So I want to, before I close, I will, hopefully I haven't gone too long. Pete said if I went too long, I would like lose like five or ten votes every minute. So, <laughs> so hopefully we'll still got enough. I, I want to, I debated on whether I should share this with you, but I thought I'd, I want to be honest, not that I've been lying up to this point, but I, I, want, <laughs> I want you to know not just where I've been in my life, but where I've even been recently. And so, real quickly, two months ago, like I said, I had no thoughts of standing where I, I am. And to be honest, at that time, I didn't know if full-time ministry would ever be an opportunity I would have again. You see, after, uh, during covid and we had some struggles like a lot of people, and we, we uh, experienced a lot of uh, ministry struggles, uh, not just during COVID, but in, in our time in Iowa. And so Sherry and I finally decided that we're going to make the transition back home, back to Indiana, back to be close to our family. And so I knew that that meant for me uncertainty. I knew that that meant that I might not be able to experience full-time ministry again or for a while. And so my priority was just to move us back to uh, um, Indiana. And so I went back to doing what I did before um, I went into ministry. I went back to the construction life, to, to the family business, if you will. And then I stumbled across this position here at Jerome. And that's a different story. But I was curious because it was an interesting position. So I called Ben. And Ben, I mean, he said all the right things. We came here and visited, and it seemed like a wonderful and healthy place to be. But I went home, and I had my doubts. But then we we came back a week or two together, or a week or two uh, after that, and I met with Pete. And then I really had my doubts. (laughs) Uh, You see, I listened last week, all right? I was prepared. No, after meeting Pete, I... I was excited, really. I was like, man, this is a, this is a great guy. Dave's a great guy. I'm just, you know, I was excited. It's like, then I was like, don't screw this up, Jason. <laughs> but even after all that went, went well, when I got home, Satan started working on me big time, putting thoughts in my head like, you're not good enough. 
watch out, be leery, this is too good to be true, you don't deserve this opportunity. And basically, Satan was, was working to keep me stuck in my shame, keep me there wallowing in it. And then, before my final meeting with the elders, I, I, had, I came across this devotion on shame. And the author talked about how, you know the story when Jesus restored Peter after the resurrection? He talked about how Jesus wasn't just restoring Peter, that he was bringing him out of his shame. You remember how that conversation went? Jesus said, do you love me? Peter says, of course I love you, like three times. And what the author said is what you, what you fail to realize is that Peter had been stuck in his shame because after his failure and after the death of Jesus, Peter went back to doing the family business, back to fishing. And so he says, don't get stuck, up, stuck on these words of love here in this paragraph. Jesus was calling Peter back to doing what he had called to do him in the, in the first place, out of his shame. And when, that, when I realized that, when I realized that, it hit me. And I heard Jesus, I mean, I didn't hear it verbally, but, but it, was as, it was as if Jesus was saying, Jason, do you love me? Jason, do you love me? And I said, of course I love you. And with tears in my eyes, I realized that Jesus was calling me out of my shame. I realized that I was very capable of just going back to the family business. But Jesus was calling me out of my shame as I read those words, feed my sheep. And that's when it became perfectly clear that, yeah, I can go back to the family business, but where I belong, whether it's here or somewhere else, is feeding God's sheep. So maybe today, maybe today you're here and you're stuck in your shame. And if that's you, then I want you to know that Jesus is calling to you today and asking you, do you love him? And he's not asking you that to shame you. He's, he's saying to you today, do you love me to call you out of your shame back to where you belong with him in the first place? Will you pray with me? Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, <clears throat> we thank you so much that you are a God who is actively involved in our life, that you don't leave us stuck in our sin and shame. You're well aware of the enemy's activities in our hearts and our heads. And Lord, I just pray, I pray for what's going on right now in the hearts and the heads of your church family here. Lord, if there's anybody here today that is just struggling with their, not just their love for you, but their, their love for themselves because of your sake, that they realize that, that that pull on their heart and their head this morning is Jesus, Jesus asking, do you love me? Because you are good enough. That's why he gave his life so that we didn't have to stay stuck where we're at. That even through difficult 
and sometimes heartbroken life circumstances. You bring us up out of our sin and shame to a restored, loving, and fulfilled life with you. And that's my prayer. That's my prayer for your church this morning. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.